This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I, there's probably a little bit of a delay there, but I am with my trusty cohort, Sarah Kumar. Sarah, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. So this is the Friday podcast, and I promised that I would talk about willpower. So I'm going to talk about that first, and then we can kind of get into some of the other stuff. But that Friday podcast is where our members... Um, send us their trends um, and we kind of walk through that with them and so um, we're going to be putting a call out for those folks so um, I, I have a couple stories that I want to kind of kind of get rolling with but but the big one that I wanted to talk about was when I first started getting fit um, and it relates to willpower in this way People think of willpower as this thing that they don't have that's stopping them from seeing the success that they need to have. Um, if you're familiar with my Eat to Perform story, basically there was about a 10-year period before um, Eat to Perform where I was dieting and, and really trying to figure things out. And my willpower was not failing me. Right. It was actually um, it was actually super good. Right. Like it was, right. you know, in fact, you know, studies have shown that dieters are known to have much better willpower than people who aren't known to be in dieting cycles all the time. Right. Because um, right. obviously if you're in a diet, if you're in a dieting cycle, um, strictness is going to be valued. And of course, everyone tells you this, but the, the the problem that ends up happening is that people think that the one moment of failure that they have is related to willpower. And so I'm going to relate it to what, what I was doing. And so once I stopped doing the dieting thing, I knew I had the will. I knew I, ha I, knew I had the stick-to-itiveness to kind of follow a plan through. But... I didn't have the intelligence to really understand the processes that I was going through, right? And so what would end up happening, um, especially in, in the early part of the dieting, you know, I, I didn't exercise a lot because I was exhausted, right? I, was, I would do mm -hmm. what most people do. I, I basically just hammered the nail as hard as I could. And then, you know, eventually I, I would cave in. And, and when I started dieting, I was 195 pounds. Once I was done dieting, I was 250, right? And That's so, crazy. And so it became really super obvious that I needed to and, – and it, it's, it's obvious to everyone watching this too, right? They know that when – I think I think people try to kid themselves. Like I don't understand what's going on. I understood what was going on, right? Right. Um, mm -hmm. What was going on was that I liked eating a certain way, and I didn't really. It felt inconvenient to actually seek out the answers. I was a pretty smart guy, right? Um, and um, I should have been able to solve big problems. I had solved many problems in my life um, with my brain, but I did not prior I did not prioritize 
my weight in that same way, right? And right. so um, once I did that, I still had willpower issues because when I started working out, like I think back to this one machine that I was doing um, really early on and I would do it twice a day for about anywhere from two hours to three hours a day. And I did that for about three months. And in those three months, I was just eating like I normally would eat, right? I was trying to, mm -hmm. um, you know, basically live kind of like I liked, right? Right. Um, this was this was really interesting. And talking through this, I remember it so well, right? Oh. So in the two and three hours, right? One of the things that I didn't know that I learned later was that your body adjusts to all this stuff. So whenever you start doing some really hard stuff, your body adjusts. So one of the things that I found was that I was really hungry, you know? Um, <laughs> and so, so there was no real restrictions on eating. And so I just ate all the things that I normally like, you know, like spaghetti and meatballs and all the things that, that were really not how I eat now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, what. And, th and then I got sick. Um, I was getting sick a lot. So I had to drag my ass to the gym sick, you know, but I knew I knew that the starvation piece, you know, wasn't the answer. I tried that too many times. I, I you know, it was interesting because. Um, I was watching this documentary on boxing the other day and, 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 you know, the one guy was talking about making weight and how he doesn't sleep for like two months because yeah, that's just crazy. he's trying to make weight the whole time. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there that realize that a lot of their issues with sleep are often related to their issues with food. And uh, most eat performers know that because, yes. you know, they realize, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that I can eat the way that, that I can eat and then right. sleep deeply and, and, and all this other stuff. Right. So, so I got sick. I was eating normal stuff, you know, and probably actually eating a little bit more than normal stuff. And so once... Um, once I got past that stage, it became really super obvious that I should start eating a little bit more meats and vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the idea that I was going to work out like this for the rest of my life, you know, right. was not reality. And so mm -hmm. I naturally started to, now I was still going with the idea that I needed to eat enough, Right. But I didn't have any of the good foods, bad food stuff. It was sort of interesting. I remember when I when I first joined my CrossFit gym, when I went from 250 pounds to 162 pounds. I didn't join CrossFit till I was 162 pounds. Right. And so, um, you know, there was somebody that was like, uh, so, you know, how'd you lose all the weight? You know, I was like, uh, you know, mostly meats and vegetables, you know, I do a lot of you know, starches and stuff like this, keep my energy level up. Um, that was, you know, I was exercising a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if it would have been more than CrossFit. Cause when I, you know, when I, when I joined CrossFit, 
Um, it, it certainly would, it, like as an example, um, in terms of volume, CrossFit would not have been more volume than I was doing early on. The, the volume that I was doing early on was monstrous and any intervention right. that you made was going to be a little bit better. So, so once I started to, and I didn't make the changes, you know, see, that's what willpower does, right? The mm-hmm. willpower, you know, really makes you kind of believe in like a shitty plan, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, if I could just suck it up a little bit more, you know, and I had already had some some thought processes related to what wouldn't work. I did have a lot of time. I will say this. I mean, I, I had a you know a lot of the research that we talk about with uh, Eat to Perform. Lori Walsh, the head of customer service at Eat to Perform, um, she showed me something that we were talking about four years ago. The leaps from four years ago to today are mm-hmm. monstrous and. The leaps that we're going to make four years from now are also going to be monstrous, you know. Um, and at every single point, you know, people are making success. It's just a matter of, you know, taking that, you know, Mike Nelson used to call it me search, right? Taking that yeah. research and then put it into the field in me search. And the problem with me search is that people want the me search to happen too quickly. Right. And so the more patient I got with the me search, the better results that I got, right? And so the willpower was the thing that actually hurt me. It didn't help me, right? And so once I relinquished that willpower and just worked towards a smarter and not harder solution, that's when things really started to happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember, you know, you know, I used to take pride in all. That's interesting. I think a lot of people fall into that trap. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, a, I, I mean, I, you know, even, even as I got smarter about my journey, the first time I ever saw CrossFit, I was like, that's the secret, right? Why? Because it's harder. Right. It looked harder than everything else that I was doing. It wasn't harder than everything else that what I was doing in, 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 you know, in a very real way. A lot of what I was doing was much harder than CrossFit, but it was differently harder. Right. Right. You know, I mean, the volume that I was doing was, you know, a lot more difficult, time consuming, all that other type of stuff. But but. You know, as I sort of moved to, um, you know, CrossFit, it was just differently hard. And it's still hard. I mean, like, yeah. like <laughs> you know, um, you know, I wish I could squat better. You know, there was a guy at my gym and I just, I was like, I hate you, Chuck, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he, he's, he's a little bit older than me. He's ass to grass on squats. And I'm just like... I feel like I have a brick between yeah. my, you know, hips and my upper thighs, you know, that yeah. stops me from squatting, you know, and, mm-hmm. and trust me, I've tried everything related to squatting and, and I do squat. I squat 
right. you know, below parallel and squatting right. in the three hundreds. But you know, when you look at my deadlift and you look at some of the other lifts, you know, um, my squat is a lot lower. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you look at never lifting a weight in your whole life, and then you see people not only lifting the heaviest weight that you've ever lifted, but then doing it for reps while, you know, right. swinging on the bar and all this. It, like, I, I just remember thinking that this is like Cirque du Soleil, you know, like you knew all <laughs> yeah. that stuff was possible. You just didn't know that it was possible in that context, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, you know, that I, I just think that if people looked at willpower the way that, you know, willpower is just harder. And if you introduce right. an element of smarter to it, it allows right. that willpower to be a lot more flexible. Um, yeah. So I did, you know, and, and there there's some relationship to this a little bit. I, I posted something in our private groups today talking about, um, you know, in the car business. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, the long story short, you know, I sold a lot of cars um, and it was the middle of winter. And one of the sales manager kind of used me as an example saying, um there's so much more to that story, so I'll get into that for in just a second. But, um, awesome. but um, he's like, you know, uh, he's like, you know, why Paul sold 27 cars this month when everyone else is going on vacation and not trying to sell cars? It's because nobody told him he couldn't. The, right. So, so that that was the big takeaway from that. But the other piece that he said, and I remember the guy, I remember all these people's names, you know, yeah. um, and, and, you know, it's 20 something years ago now, you know, right. and, uh, so this, this guy's name was Howard and, uh, he wants, you know, he's, he's a short guy, you know, he was like five, okay. two, you know, um, and he's an older guy. You know, uh-huh. and um, he had just been in the car business his whole life. He was one of my favorite people by far. And, uh, you know, he, he comes up to me, you know, he puts his hand around my waist and, and he's like, you want me to tell you the best way to sell cars? And I was like, yeah, yeah, tell me, you know. And he said, go get yourself some bills, you know. He said, nice. just get all kinds of bills, <laughs> get a big mortgage. That you know, is insane. He's like, because then you got to sell cars. Right. He's like, see all these guys drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes? They yeah. don't have to sell cars. You know? Right. He's like, whatever their situation is, he's like, you have to yeah. have responsibilities to want to work towards that. And, and, and he, was, he was kind of joking. But there, there was some truth to it. You know, I went into. I think the, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I went into the car business. I mean, you you basically build your life around um, the circumstances that that you create. You know, right. and so like every time you drive past the Mercedes dealership and you go, "Oh, wouldn't it be nice to have those?" You need to also think about the problems that would be created by owning that Mercedes, you know, or owning yeah. that bigger house, you know. Yeah. Um, and and most people don't think of that piece. Um, but you know the the other the other thing that uh, you know I was thinking about 
with the um, the car business was, um, and this was this was how I approached fat loss as well, and this is how I approached poker. This was how I approached everything. You know, um, I learned a secret very early on in my life that people are intimidated by successful people. Mm-hmm. And so they use the excuse, and, and this is a little bit of the theme that we're kind of talking about, you know, mm-hmm. um, they use the excuse of, well, that guy's busy, right? Mm-hmm. To stop themselves from seeking the help that they need, right? right. Um, and it's sort of that excuse that allows them to stay where they're at, you know, um, and it's hard to kind of figure things out. You know, I remember this guy who's named Sonny. He's an older guy. He, he's probably passed away at this point. Um, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe he's still kicking. But, you know, <laughs> I, you know, car business people have some bad habits. Um, yeah. But um, but I remember, you know, there was two. There was three guys at that time that were selling lots of cars. There was Sonny, Brent, and myself. And... Um, Sonny was kind of this older, cranky guy, and uh, no one talked to him, you know, but he was about that business, man. He just came in, he sold his cars, and and he Mm -hmm. left, you know. He wasn't smoking cigarettes, he wasn't drinking coffee, he was there to sell cars, you know. He thought he had a lot of bills. And he definitely had a lot of bills, you know. I mean, you know, he had the gold chains, he had a Corvette, you know, he had all the the markings of a car business person. But I remember going up to him probably two weeks in, because, man, I was broke. You know, I I was in debt. I needed to sell some cars. I said, look, man, you know, I, I know, you know, you're busy. He's like, but I need some help. I need to sell some cars. You obviously sell some cars. So what do you know? Yeah. Talk to me. You know? Yeah. He said, I probably shouldn't tell you this. He's like, but you're just burning through ups left and right. Like you're just a volume guy. You just, every single person that you talk to, if they buy a car from you, they were going to buy a car from anyone. They were going to buy a car from a rhinoceros. You know, like, like uh-huh. they just needed a car. You were just, you were just running through the numbers. He's like, if you walk into it with the thought process of give people more time and effort than you've been giving them right now, you're just burning through people left and right, you know? Right. And you don't understand the approach. He's like, get to know the people. He's like, why do you think someone comes on to our car lot? You know, he's like, they don't come on to a car lot to buy a refrigerator. Right. They need a car, you know. And he's like, the difference between the Ford and the Nissan, he's like, it's not that big, right? They're here for a reason. And so if you can spend the time and energy, he's like, most days I talk to one person. And he's like, and I sell probably half of them. He's like, you talk to probably 10 people and you sell one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where I sold, you know, a lot of cars, you right. know, um, 
and I understood a lot of other things. The other guy, Brent, who was younger, I don't know what he's doing these days, but he, you know, he had a future. Yeah, there were some people that that were in the car business because they were going to be in the car business for the rest of their life, and then there were some people that you could tell they're probably going to be moving on at some point. Yeah, or they had greater things, and I I hope that's what people saw from me. Um, yeah, and and I definitely saw that in this Brent guy, but Brent and I, you know, became friendly. You know, it 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 was hard to be friends when you're selling lots of cars. You know yeah. what I mean? All the other yeah. people, you know, um, you know, I, I just remember all the people who didn't sell cars and they would say things like, you know, gosh, I'm on a bad luck streak and, and, this yeah. and like it never occurred to them that like Brent and I never had a bad luck streak. Right. right. It's like, you know, it, it, it kind of relates to the whole willpower thing. If you yeah. look at your willpower and you say, well, I got bad willpower, then then that takes the responsibility out of your hands, right? Then you don't have to be smarter. You can just go, well, you know, hopefully, you know, but will is something that matters. You can build okay. will. You can work through that, you know, type of situation. Yeah. I think a lot of people try to use their will up too much in dieting and then you know their parakeet dies you know or their their uncle you know breaks his leg right. you know and then you got to use your will for that and and now all of a sudden and it's really everyone wants to oh if i just didn't have this happen you right. know I would have had success. No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have, dude. Like you were never going to sell cars, right? Right. You're never, you were there to, to drink coffee and, and cigarettes. It was never a venue for you to move on to the next thing. Right. Right? It's a lot like recruiting and headhunting was very, very similar. Yeah. You either had, um, you either had people who were making business happen or the people who were, you know, kind of complainers and whiners about things not happening for them. Yeah. And you're like, I can't complain. I got kids at home. I got to feed them. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I just made my 85th call. I'll see you guys in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I ain't got time to listen to this story, man. Cause uh, yeah. I'm actually doing shit. <laughs> I gotta go pay some bills. I'll see you later. Yeah, but I, I think I think too often, you know, when you're looking in one direction, you're gonna find it. Right? And so if you're looking in the direction of the story that you keep telling yourself that is allowing you to fail over and over again, yeah. you know, what if what if the thing you know, it's interesting because we, you know, when, when someone starts eating to perform, they get a baseline plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that come in and they go, oh, my God, this is too many carbs. This is, you know, they, right. they, they, they've got a million reasons why they can't do the baseline plan. Right. Well, the baseline plan we use to see where you're at, right? right? So, you know, when we have that discussion, we have the people do the baseline plan. It shocks people. That often from the baseline plan, we actually have to move people to performance because it's actually low. And then they 
had this thought process of I was supposed to eat less, right? right? And it wasn't so much the eat less part. You know, I remember there was a really smart guy and he, he was, he was, you know, talking on the internet like people do. Um, and, he, you know, he was, like he was saying that you, you know, you absolutely have to be in a deficit. Otherwise you're never going to lose fat. And he's like, that's like the basic, well, true, but, and, and certainly more food wouldn't seem like you would be able to create a deficit. But less food's going to give you less sleep, right? It's going to right. raise your resting heart rate. It's going to make your life more stressful. If you have stress in your life other than that, it's going to be more difficult. So food can be a lot of the answer there that fuels better thought processes, better work, better walking, better gym time, you know? And in that way, you can create a deficit, right? Right. And so one of the things that I look for as, as you know, we're either bringing someone down or, or kind of moving them around is what's happening to your sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. If, you know, you're all over the map and then your sleep, you know, and, and you're in a deficit cycle, you know, and your sleep is under six hours every single night, well, is that really the best time to be bringing down food? Probably not, you know? Right. And so you want to be controlling, and, and I get it, you know, people will say, you know, stress isn't that huge of a factor. You know, I, I mean, I, I was listening to a bodybuilder say that one time, right? That, that stress wasn't that big of a deal. If you don't think that those bodybuilders that are cutting a lot, you know, aren't, you know, losing sleep. I, I think it's interesting, the the two things that, that a lot of people don't realize about bodybuilding. One, those dudes work out a lot, you know. Um, the, the ability to put tissue on matters a great deal. There is a reason why, you know, the temptation of illegal drugs, you know, um, is very real in that community because it provides you relief from stress. Um, right. And then when they're, um, when they are cutting, they're losing their sleep cycle. I mean, I remember, you know, one of my friends did, you know, he was working to get on stage um, and he was blogging about it. And um, he talked about the fact that he couldn't get an erection anymore because, um, you know, he wasn't sleeping. He was full of stress. Yeah. And it was like two weeks to the end line. Ugh. I'm just going to tell you, anything that stops erections, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Hey, well, yeah, nice cool. run. You know, but what's so funny is like, like this guy, if this guy took off a shirt at a beach, everyone would know that that dude worked out whether he was stage ready or whether he wasn't right. You know? And like when you see somebody with big arms and a big chest and, and you know, with the tight t-shirt on and stuff like that, that dude ain't 7% more often than not, that guy's like 20%. But trust me, people can tell he works out, you know, right. he's got lats, you know? Um, and so I, I think, 
you know, a lot of times people will get advice from bodybuilders as it relates to dieting. And, and there's a lot of basis for what we teach, you know, from bodybuilding. But at the same time, are we talking stage ready? You know, I mean, another great example is, is, um, and we talked about this yesterday, you know, there was, uh, on one of our coaching calls, there was someone that was concerned about that their body fat percentage was getting too low. And they were concerned because people say that your body fat percentage too low for women, um, causes issues. And what I said was that it's not the body fat percentage itself, it's how you got there, right? right? And so if you were building muscle along the way and you ended up at 15%, you know, and your periods are regular, you're eating 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day and you're putting on muscle and stuff like that, you're going to be fine. Right. Um, but if you're dieting to get to a certain body fat percentage and you know your sleep is screwed up you know all the things that we've been talking about this whole time you know it's just a net negative right, right. and that's the thing that actually causes the problems not the body fat percentage itself because the body fat percentage is largely related to you know, when people look at body fat percentage, the first number they go to is the body fat percentage. That's not the number that I go to. The number that I go to is lean mass, right? right. Um, because that affects your body fat percentage much more than, um, you know, whatever fat you might be holding on to, you know. Um, so building that muscle, you know, is a good thing. Actually holding on to muscle is also a pretty big thing. Right. Um, so... My guess is we haven't really had a whole lot of live reviews, but we have obviously we had have a. One. We have okay. Let's go. Give me who we got. All right, we've got Denise. All right, and Denise has. Am I? All right, but can you just type it into the chat, maybe? Yeah. This is making for a really shitty podcast. There we go. It is not. It every single time. It's fine. All right. So let's see. Denise. So Denise is in performance. Uh, it's funny that we keep running through people that still don't have a goal. Um, so I'm going to give Denise a weight goal. And in oh, the case. I love your notes, Denise. And in the case, in the case of Denise, you go, well, why does Denise need a weight goal? She's in performance. Um, I think it's important for, for people in performance to have a compass, you know, that there's still, you know, responsibility that we're trying to keep in place, right? Um, it, it's kind of interesting because when we get, these requests um, on these calls, it's often like brag requests. And this looks like Denise's situation. Um, she is doing awesome. Mm -hmm. um, her logging is great. Mm -hmm. 
if I were to make a change, it would be a small change to the low day. Um, and so Denise can request a change if she wants to kind of rein things in a little bit. But in general, you know, there's a lot of consistency with the plan. I mean, if you guys could see her sleep, you'd be like, oh, wow, I wish I could sleep like that. Oh, I want to talk about I want to talk about the sleep sleep time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, probably similar to most people when things go bad, they go bad on the fat side of things. It's kind of interesting that carbs get such a, a bad rap. Um, yeah. It's really kind of carbs with the fats that should be getting the bad rap. Um, and she's saying, no, I'd rather have more food. Um, I think you're fine kind of where you're at. I mean, unless, you know, if you want to request a review and, and, and get more food, that's fine too. Um, but what I would really like to see is some level of responsibility just in case we ever do get to where we want to go through a fat loss phase. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I set a weight goal, um, which is basically about six pounds from where we are right now. So I'd really like to be able to make sure that um, we're kind of reining things in a little bit. So she just came out of a fat loss phase about a month ago. Okay. As well. So, so more or less, we just want to um, kind of keep things responsible at this point. Daddy. Yeah. And then we have another request. All right. And in you're typing it into chat? Yep. All right. I have a UPS truck outside my house that I should close my screen door. Okay, so there's really too much to go over here. Um, there's a message that is like three paragraphs long that I'm not going to be able to um, address right here. Let me just take a look and see. Um, She was talking about getting a DEXA um, that took body fat percentage up 1.1%, um, kind of within the margin of error. Um, I'm just trying to take a look at weight. Do have a weight goal for her. Um, and she's been able to stay within that weight goal. I think to a certain extent, body fat percentage, um, especially for someone that's in performance or muscle gain, um, can send conflicting messages. You know, yes. I mean, you're looking at basically anywhere from from you know even on a DEXA scan, you're looking at at least two percent margin of error. 
you know, that's well within the 1.5 pounds that we're talking about, you know. I think that the thing that most people don't look at when they run into issues, um, you know, because she's very consistent, right? Um, and um, if I was to look at any one thing that I would see that would be a consistent issue, it's sleep, right? Um, if you're not getting a decent amount of sleep, of course, recovery is compromised. So adding tissue. But kind of what I talked about earlier with bodybuilding, right? I don't think people realize how hard these people work on building their body. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yep. I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, when somebody's already really lean, and they, they, you know, they look at steps. Like, for instance, in the case of Julie's steps, really high, you know. Right. Well, what are steps at the heart of what they're doing? They're catabolic, right? You're trying to keep your weight under control, body fat percentage under control, things of that nature. That, you know, when you're already lean, that's going to eat at that muscle base a little bit at times. Right. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but um, one of the things that we recommend for people trying to build muscle is to keep steps maybe a little bit lower. Well, what's that going to do? It's going to raise your weight, you know, a lot of the time, which also isn't, you know, all that comfortable. And then, oh, by the way, will that add some fat? Yeah. You can, it can, you know, um, and then of course, you know, we're really not, um, you know, she's saying, um, she doesn't want to go to fat loss. She doesn't want to lose all her food. She doesn't want to panic. Right. But when you have a bad DEXA scan, as it relates to the food that she eats and what she does, She's got to rethink about the way that she thinks about what she does, right? And so, so many people in this scenario, you know, and we, we had a gal yesterday, you know, we were talking to and she's like, well, you know, um, kind of a similar type result scenario. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what do you do? She's like, I CrossFit five days a week. I was like, well, there you go. You know, I mean, right. the CrossFit is sort of known for keeping you small, right? Like like in the bodybuilding community, they make fun of CrossFit because, you know, it keeps you small. You know, whether that's true or not is of some debate because, you know, when you look at Rich Froning as an example for a 5'10 guy, he does not seem small, you know? Um, and so hypertrophy... Um, has to be a part of what you're doing, you know, and, you know, I definitely see some of that stuff, but I'm also seeing that steps might be a little counteractive here, you know, um, I think at the end of the day here, I mean, she mentioned, you know, all the things related to the body fat percentage. And I mean, this is a lot, you know, it's like two paragraphs worth of stuff here. Um, mm -hmm. She didn't tell me what her body fat percentage is, you know, um, and, 
you know, when you're already lean and she is already lean, you know, she's underweight um, for the average female. Right. And, uh, you know, most women lifting weights. Um, okay, so she's saying that she's 32% body fat. If you're 30, and she, she said that in open chat, so she, apparently she's not bothered by saying it. Um, that's a, that's a muscle problem, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the solution to that, I mean, let's go ahead and do the math. Um, that means that she has 102 pounds of lean mass, you know, and so when you look at, you know, and this isn't exact, but, you know, we're close enough, um, to where, uh, let's see, so let's say 12%, 12 times 1.5, it's roughly 18 pounds for her to get, um, to say 20%, right? So um, most people would look at that and they would go, um, okay, if I lose 18 pounds, you know, I'm then 20%. Well, no, that's not the only option. You could also right. gain 12 pounds of muscle. Now right. we'll say, you know, we're talking about, you know, a, um, female in her 40s, you know, so gaining muscle is going to be a little bit more difficult. And my guess is that she doesn't have the three hours, you know, I mean, it was really funny well, because to do the three hours. I mean, it, everybody, even if you love to work out, three hours is a long time. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, there ain't a lot of people signing up for the whole bodybuilding plan. There's a lot right. of people signing up for the pretend bodybuilding plan plan you know <laughs> i'm kind of on the pretend bodybuilding plan right you know like uh um i mean i'll work out enough to where you know when i put on my shirt you know my shirt feels tight but you know the idea That's of because you buy baby gap clothes obviously um <laughs> what is best way to get your body fat percentage accurate and no wonder water weighing isn't easily available um dexa scan is probably the best um which is what julie is talking about that's the other thing too um dexa scan is brutal <laughs> like that is yeah it, yep yeah it's uh you apart literally <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's gonna be the hardest one of all of them which is you know Recently, one of the Eat Perform coaches, um, Susie Glassman, um, mm -hmm. you know, posted her progress, which was very similar to what um, Julie was saying, where she went from thirty percent to I think it was eighteen. Um, eighteen, yeah. And that's a real year. eighteen. Like when you Dexa yeah. for eighteen, that's a real yeah. eighteen. You know. Um, yeah. And you know her whole approach to it was really interesting. I think that, you know, a lot of times people get caught up in the steps because, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I've been talking about steps forever. You know, why am yeah. I, why do I suggest 15,000 steps? Because it's easy to control your weight. You can eat a little bit more flexibly, you know, all these things. Um, yeah. And when we look at, 
you know, the amount of food that she's eating, you know, is fairly, I, I mean, I do think that a lot of people look at body fat percentage and, and use it as a measure of health, right? There's really, there's not a lot of science backing up that body fat percentage testing is a measure of health. Now, if we're talking about severe obesity, then we're, that's a different issue, right? Right. But with females, you have to talk about a lot of different factors, right? Yeah. Where do you carry your weight? You know, um, I mean, did your grandma have a big chest? Did your mama have a big chest? (laughs) Do you have a big chest? You know what I mean? Like there's some things that you just yeah. cannot change. You know? Right. Um, do you carry we your weight? static coming tomorrow to the box and I'm kind of dreading. Well, because it... not, not for me, but how everybody responds to their results. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you have a 1% difference, you right. know, I, I think what Julie is ultimately saying and expressing her frustration is that she wants progress, right? right? But she's not looking at the progress that she's making related to, you know, the amount of flexibility related to food um, that she's had. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's talking about some crazy workouts here, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are things that people that don't eat the amount of food that she eats, you know, um, now could she, you know, work towards, you know, maybe a fat loss cycle? Um, absolutely. You know, um, those things are all in play here, but you know, one of the things that I hope we're introducing with Eat to Perform is, you know, while fat loss is an option, it should be viewed as an option. It should be viewed as, you know, something. I mean, just because, you know, a DEXA scan says you're 32%, you know, does not mean that you're unhealthy, right? Exactly. I mean, the sign of health is all these other things that she does, right? Right. Um, and like her deadlifts. Like her deadlifts. She's like, oh, deadlifts for 110 and then I decided to try two reps at 170, and it felt easy. You know, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, and and you know, as somebody who's body fat tested, you know, probably fifty times, you know, I I often say that maybe three or four of them, I got the result I thought I was going to get. You know, right. it's just not like that. You know, and progress is just not linear, you know. Right. Um, and so, so, do you know how much about the in-body scale thoughts? I have an in-body scale. I think it's probably about third or fourth on the the option. The reason why in-body is good is because it's available. You know, you can right. do it really easily. And so a lot of gyms have them. Um, but all of it's a guide. You know, all of it's, you exactly. know, so you have a little bit better understanding. Um, this was just my first one with an increase. Um, well, good luck. To, I mean, that's awesome for you because, you know, um, you know, I remember when I'd moved to powerlifting 
and was actively trying to gain muscle, gained 10 pounds to do so, went from my deadlift being mid 300s um, mm -hmm. um, to, I mean, she's saying it's in the wrong direction. It's, you know, I'm a statistics person. If it's within the margin of error, it did not go the wrong way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I think you have to be realistic about what these are doing. The only true way to measure body fat percentage. Well, and how long ago? Because lots of things happen in the time between people do yeah. body fat tests. Right. Like we get sick. You're off your training for three weeks. That's right. going to affect your percentage as well. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times people go into body fat um, testing and then they diet the day before. Right. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, um, you know, like as an example, I think she took it. I don't know if she has today planned out or what. Um, but there are two circumstances. On the sixth, she didn't get a lot of sleep or as, as good a sleep as she normally could. Mm -hmm. And then on the seventh, um, which is today. I think she just has her stuff planned out. Um, which is awesome. Good job pre-planning. Yeah. Julie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but that, that lack of sleep could, could have made the difference between that 1.1%. Right. Um, but I yeah. get where she's going with it. Right. She's, yeah. she's totally. working out, you know, she wants to be making progress. Um, the, the simple, you know, if you're trying to build muscle, bring the steps down. If you're trying to lose fat, go into a fat loss phase, right? Exactly. Like that's that's the simple answer to the question. All right. I love how I love how I say the simple answer to a question that I talked about for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna end on that note. I appreciate everybody being here and. Uh, we will talk to you later. Um, oh, we wanted to talk about the sleepy time. Oh, yeah, your sleep. Yeah. yeah it it kind of worked. I only did it the one day, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was going to set my alarm for 544, which would have been about seven and a half hours sleep, um, which, like, soul crushes me because, you know, it seems silly to want to get seven and a half hours sleep when you could have eight and a half hours sleep. I know, I know. But I did wake up, um, and it's kind of interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to look at my sleep cycles to see when I wake up related to those sleep cycles. Because, mm -hmm. some, you know, I do wake up um, sometimes one, maybe twice. Like this time, on my second time, I, I woke up at 6 o'clock, and I knew that... Um, the sleep cycle was recommending me wake up right around six o'clock. So, mm -hmm. I, so I did just get up to see how I felt and it, Oh my God, yeah. it was different. It was different. Really? Yeah. Like I did not feel groggy the way that, that I would, if I had slept, you know, if the alarm had woken me up. Um, and so it's something that I'm going to look at more. I would like yeah. to probably look at it more from the standpoint of trying to get six cycles rather than five cycles. But, right. um, but 
you know, if if I feel good with five cycles, I, I know because we talked about this yesterday where, you know, I've been waking up kind of groggy, you know. Right. And here it is, you know, less sleep and I feel better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, huh. That's yeah. Interesting. So Sleepy Time app, like the app on the phone, um, they have a website too. The app on the phone, um, it just really kind of goes through the, the cycles and you sort of have to set it up. I mean, I go to sleep. It was sort of funny because I was talking to my wife about it. And she's like, I don't even know how I would gauge that. I don't know when I'm going to fall asleep. I do. Like, like, right. like, yeah. you know, my yeah. sleep cycles are pretty good. And the better I right. am with it. Today's our big date night fight, by the way. You know, oh, it is. so you haven't still haven't decided. We we haven't had it yet, you know, um, but um, but I'm I'm putting my foot down. I I need I'm not I'm not going to bed. I, I need to stick with the. So the, what's your argument? Room. Why are you trying to? Tra- why is it that you you need it to be tomorrow night? And why doesn't she want it to be tomorrow night? She doesn't want it to be no because. Um, she doesn't, uh, I don't drink, and we right. have to pick up our daughter from skating. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Um, now, my oldest daughter um, does drive now. Right. But I don't want her driving, you know, at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Right. You know, with all the craziness. Not out. yet. It's only been a couple weeks. Not yet. You'll get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Soon. I mean, you do get used to it, right? Like the freedom, you, you're like, oh, okay, well, you just go. Yeah. You know, do you feel a little guilty? Because I, I remember that feeling of like, oh, 100%. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, well, I can go do it. One, I'm like, 100% I feel oh. guilty, you know? Huh. Um, but, uh, you know, also, you know, it is a, another layer of currency, you know? Um, yes. And uh, using that currency is definitely something, you know, that I think uh, more parents should be tuned into. You know, and yeah. my guess is most of them are. You know, it's 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 something that is obviously important to them because they get more freedom. You know, right, right. like her boyfriend lives in St. Paul, so it's kind of a longer drive. Um, right. But he also lives near Whole Foods. Where they have the big, where they have the big kombuchas, it's like so. Oh. You want to go to Lucian's house? You're gonna have to get me some of those kombuchas, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, the uh, that's how that works. Um, awesome. All right, sleepy time app. Check it out, you guys, because I think it is actually interesting. Like I said, I only use it one day, but in that one day, I did feel better. So it's gonna be interesting to sort of see how things go. But my my. Um, I'm going to win the date night argument. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Because I don't think wine's that important. Um, yes, it is, Paul. Yes, it is. Wine on Saturday is. isn't that much different than wine on Friday. You know. All right, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye now.